This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. Hello, everyone. I am Anna Sale, host of the podcast Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC Studios. And I'm here to take your calls right now, along with my colleague, Kai Wright, host of the, of the United States of Anxiety. Kai is joining me by phone. Hello, Kai. Hey, Anna, and hello, everybody. So today we want to hear from you, listeners of both of our shows, about how you're feeling right now. This reality of the COVID-19 global pandemic is sinking in for all of us here in the U.S. Things are, of course, changing quickly in all of our lives. And so we want to hear from you about what's making you worried, how this pandemic is affecting your immediate and future plans, and how you're coping with all of this uncertainty. And the phone lines are open right now. The number to call is 844-745-8255. That's 844-745-8255. Kai and I are both in places that are feeling major disruptions in our routines this week. I'm in the Bay Area. Kai, you are in New York. And you are joining this conversation by phone, actually, because <laughs> you have a cold, a cold that would not have prevented you from coming into the studio at any other time. But it's a signal of just how different our reality is right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it really is quite a minor cold, but I just feel so guilty being in public with a cough um, and yeah. not, you know, and I'm not certain, right? Like none of us can get tested. So I don't know for a fact that I am not positive for COVID-19. And so I just decided last night to, to stay home. And I should note that uh, that's going to mean things for this conversation. I'm on the phone. Uh, I live in Brooklyn. We live very close to one another in Brooklyn. <laughs> there will be no <laughs> doubt trains and horns. My boyfriend is also working at home. I cannot control when he is going to walk into the room and shout. Uh, so um, bear with us. We're in it. We're in it. And thank you for modeling good behavior for all of us and just staying home. 
um, because yeah. this type of adjustment is what, of, like normal, it's changing so quickly. Um, and that's what we want to talk with all of you about today. Just like, what's happening right now in this rapidly changing situation? Um, in addition to the physical health risks of this pandemic, there's an emotional weight to all of this uncertainty, all that we're feeling right now. So that's why we want to talk together. We want to gather around together and talk about that. We're curious to hear what's at the forefront of your thoughts as we end this week. The phone lines are open right now, so give us a call. Again, the number is 844-745-8255. That's 844-745-8255. We're also watching Twitter, so you can tweet at us at DeathSexMoney or using the hashtag USofAnxiety2020. And we all have a lot of questions, but right now the idea for this conversation, it's really just it's to gather and to share what we're noticing. Because even though we are becoming more physically distant than usual, that is the social distancing that we all have to do, we're also going through this together. And, you know, Anna, what's funny for me is that I guess it's often the case in times like these. I feel much more in touch with my friends and family right now than I probably ever normally would. Like, I'm, I'm really bad at answering text messages, and I'm just answering all of them now. <laughs> I don't know if that's what's going on for you. I'm also really finding that, and also my neighbors. I'm talking to them, my neighbors in Berkeley in the East Bay here in California, it, like more than I usually do, and we're like creating text chains talking about grocery runs. Um, in, in a way that we haven't before. Um, and, and I want to acknowledge as calls come in that while Kai and I are both in places that are really feeling change right now, there are a lot of you in the United States that are sort of like absorbing the news but maybe haven't felt it as deeply yet. Um, but you are probably feeling it in different ways. Maybe you're watching the stock market. Maybe you're having events that you needed, were thinking about getting income from be canceled. Uh, so we want to make sure you're included in the conversation as well. Don't need, you don't need to feel like you're in a, one of the hot spots um, to join this conversation. And actually, one of the first callers I want to bring in is Katie Kirby. Uh, who is a death, sex, and money listener, a licensed social work worker in Illinois, um, who counsels college students. Katie, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Anna. Hi, thanks for calling in. What's been on your Hi. mind this week? So this week I've definitely been thinking a lot about just how best to be there for my clients as well as for myself. Um, so like you mentioned, I am a licensed social worker and, and seeing clients and helping them navigate their own mental health concerns. Um, and I also have a respiratory chronic illness. And so in this time where there are these respiratory um, symptoms and really severe viruses going around, I also have to be really mindful of how to protect myself. And that balance has really been on my mind a lot lately. What were you doing this week? Were you going into work? Yeah, so this week I have still been going into work um, and seeing clients face-to-face -face when they do come in, um, but we are investigating and exploring options to be able to do teletherapy or um, over-the-phone sessions as a protective measure for really everyone involved. I imagine Katie, that's been is... quite a pull. Oh, go ahead, Kai. Mm -hmm. I, well, I was going to ask you, Katie, this is Kai. I, I, I have a, a close friend who is also a social worker, and, and I was talking to her last night, and she has a lot of anxiety about uh, her own, about the health of her clients and wanting mm -hmm. to, feeling like she really wants to be in touch with them right now, but also wanting to practice the social distancing she's supposed to practice 
and, and not wanting to put them at risk. And I just wonder if you if, if that's a concern for you too, and how you deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been interesting. I think most of my clients are in a relatively healthy life stage. And so I honestly haven't had tons of clients who are really concerned about the virus spreading or about their own specific health in regards to it. Um, And I think that might be just a product of the life stage they are in. But it is something I'm very mindful of as well because we don't know who exactly um, has been exposed or if someone might have it but be asymptomatic. And so I think I've been trying to take as many precautions as possible, and that is part of the reason why our department is considering different options for um, the remote sessions. And just one more question for you, Katie. Are you finding that you're disclosing some of your personal health information to coworkers or clients in ways that you otherwise wouldn't? Yeah, that's been a really interesting part to navigate. And luckily, some of my coworkers had already known about my health status, which has definitely made it easier to be proactive and have these planning conversations. Um, but it is something that is a much more immediate concern now, figuring out what and um, how much to disclose to clients and when to do that if I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah. Well, Katie, please keep in touch over these next few weeks and and take care of yourself. And um, I hope your clients are able to take care of themselves as well, too. Thanks for calling in. Thanks so much. I hope you both stay well as well. Thanks, Katie. Tierra in Omaha is calling in who is a college student. Tierra, are you there? Uh, Yes. Hey, what have you been thinking about this week? What are you noticing? Um, I guess I've just had a lot of um, my, my main focus right now has kind of just been um, trying to make sure my housing is going to be secure because I am a mm. student that lives on um, in on-campus housing um, and trying to make sure that my work-study job is actually going to stick around, um, you know, after, you know, if and when this, this um, virus kind of ends or, you know. Um, so it, it, thankfully, um, I mean, my university hasn't had, like, a Harvard situation where we um, – they haven't, like, kicked us all out, but um, – so we get to stay, and we're, you know, cool here. But um, my work-study job, though, I, I am aware now, as of this morning, that um, I will get to keep my job and work my regular hours for the next two weeks while our spring break is happening. Um, but after that, we don't really know. They're, they're not really sure right now if um, me and the other student workers at my job are going to um, basically have a job until probably this summer, if not fall. Wow. So you're feeling a question about your housing security. You're thinking about whether your wages are secure. Um, And are are you, what kind of like, do you feel like you need to start coming up with contingency plans or do you feel just stuck right now? How are you feeling? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't even know, I guess. I'm not really sure what I'm feeling yet because it's kind of like my university waited a little bit longer than I think other places, other universities did to kind of get the news out and make these, like, really big decisions. And so I'm kind of, I don't want to say waiting for, like, the hammer to drop, but, like, I'm waiting for something, you know, more news to come next. I kind of feel like things are still in transition, and so I haven't really even necessarily made any major um, decisions yet, but... Um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I guess, yeah, I guess I would say stuck. Um, that's the right way to put it. Just kind of stuck in limbo, um, which is, um, I don't like that. 
Um, I am um, a Capricorn. <laughs> I love stability. <laughs> um, I don't love yeah. this, um, you know, the instability that is um, kind of taking place right now. Yeah, so it's just um, a really tough spot. Do you mind if I ask you, what, what are the consequences for you if you do lose housing? You know, I think we hear about this in such an abstract way. What would it mean for you if you have to leave? Um, yeah, oof. I, um, I know I, in some ways, am lucky because I have relatives um, and, like, immediate family that live near, um, that live in my city, and I can go home. You know, they're really only, like, a few buses away. Um, however, I like many people, like many other students, even if I do have a home to go to, um, it's not the um, most, like, positive and healthy um, space mm. for me to be. Um, so I I don't think, I mean, I wouldn't be, um, you know, like, couch surfing, um, I don't think, but I wouldn't necessarily be in a stable of a place and in as, in as healthy of an environment than if I were living, you know, in on-campus housing. Yeah. yeah. Tierra, well, to hear that. yeah, please keep us posted. And when you mentioned like bus rides away, like even getting on a bus, um, if you're losing your dorm housing is not going to feel necessarily like something that feels like the safest thing to do right now. So um, keep us posted yeah. on what happens. And uh, and yeah, um, we'll be thinking about you. Keep us posted. Yeah, thank you. Jason in Charlottesville. Are you there? Yeah, this is Jason. Hey, Jason. What have you been thinking about this week? Um, for me, this has a lot of echoes for with uh, 9-11, but I think for a different reason than uh, a lot of other people are feeling. And for me, it's a very deeply personal uh, situation. So uh, around 9-11, my dad got sick. Um, and so over the two years after 9-11, I was dealing with, uh, first his illness and then his passing. Um, and now, mm. right before Christmas, uh, I had to sort of take over for my mom's affairs because of her progressive dementia. Um, and so while everyone else is paying attention to coronavirus, I am paying attention to getting my mom's affairs in order, getting her house sold, getting her settled into a place here in Charlottesville with us. Um, and so it's, it's a very uh, familiar note of almost... Uh, melancholy that I'm not experiencing what everybody else is experiencing. Yeah, like you're experiencing well, something really hard, really hard that's that's both kind of part of what everybody else is experiencing, but also very personal and, and different. Yeah. I wonder if, do you, but then how do you manage it with the concerns about... Um, uh, I, I assume your mother's age uh, and, and her being more vulnerable to COVID-19, even amid, it sounds like you might have both concerns. Oh, I, I definitely do. And it's hard with her condition to get her to understand that, oh. you know, we're not trying to keep her from going to the grocery store because we're trying to control her. It's because, no, like there are real concerns with going out to eat every day and going um, out to do her regular shopping. Um, and there's lots of those small moments where we just try to, to address this one small issue and she very much is attaching it emotionally to other issues, other concerns. Um, so navigating that with her is really difficult. And in addition, you know, this past week I, I spent most of the week cleaning out her house and 
I got some, you know, I missed a week of my kids, uh, you know, before all of this hit, and I missed the conversations that my wife had to have about, with them about why all of this is happening and why people are so concerned. Um, so I really, you know, there is this this feeling of missing out on something, um, not to, not some, something that uh, I think anybody was looking forward to, but missing out on something that's important and that, you know, I'm... I'm not getting to share that with my kids. I'm not getting to to walk with them through that. Instead, I have this other thing that we're all walking through um, as a family, but that has really just consumed me these last couple of weeks. Mm. And I wonder, Thanks do you, because co- it just sounds so difficult what you're describing in terms of dealing with the dementia. Have you discovered any resources uh, that are popping up here that other people might Know, might want to know about, or just, is there anybody? Can you turn anywhere to help for advice about how to deal with this with someone with a dementia? Um, I think that one of the most valuable resources has been uh, our medical professionals. Um, we were able to connect my mother with a really great uh, specialist that specializes in dementia, and he was able to sort of set for us the the tone of what the next few months are going to look like in terms of getting her evaluated getting her connected with services. Um, and he, you know, it's not his job to actually connect us with those services. That's us. But, you know, when I first walked into her house and realized that the heat hadn't been on for two months and it was 30 degrees inside, you know, there was a moment of just having no idea how we were going to handle this and connecting her with that physician, getting sort of a, a feel for what he was going to be able to help her with and thus what he was again able going, going to be able to help us with. Um, it was a huge relief. It just it made the the whole situation feel manageable. Whereas before, I really was in a fog about how we were going to manage everything. Jason, thanks for calling in. So much happening with your family. We'll be thinking about you. <laughs> Thank you. Our intern Ayo Osbamiro from Death, Sex, and Money. She compiled a list of helpful resources uh, from CDC virus information to work from home tips to hand washing songs. So you can find that at deathsexmoney.org/coronavirus. Speaking of resources, we all need to help each other figure out how to find some help during this time. I'm Anna Sale, host of Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC, and I am joined by Kai Wright, host of the United States of Anxiety from WNYC, and we are taking your calls live right now about COVID-19. The phone number is 844-745-8255, 844-745-8255. We're also streaming live on Facebook Live. You can tweet us at Death Sex Money or use the hashtag US of Anxiety 2020. We're just talking about what we're noticing about how this is changing our lives so far. Um, this is just the beginning of this, but we want to talk and gather this afternoon. Um, I want to bring into the conversation, Chelsea, you're in Italy. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, Chelsea. How are you? I'm okay. How's it going? I'm good. You sound very cheerful, which is which is nice. Um, uh, Chelsea, tell me what's happening in your life where you are in Naples, Italy. Well, so I'm in Naples, which luckily, well, I mean, all of Italy is kind of a crap show right now. But uh, basically, the hardest hit regions are in the north and we're in the south. So uh, we're not like the epicenter of the pandemic, but it's still pretty crazy. What's happened in your life? What's changed this week? 
Well, actually, right before this phone call, I uh, learned of a new ordinance that the um, that Campania region, which is my region, they put out today um, that you can't leave your house. Ex- you can't leave your house <laughs> except to go grocery shopping, to go to the pharmacy, or for like a medical emergency. You, when you leave your house, you have to have this document, which is like an auto certificazione, to say that like you're going to your house to the pharmacy, to the grocery store, or to work, basically. Um, And they have police checks as well. Another big thing (laughs) that I've noticed is lines, just crazy lines at the supermarkets. If you try to go to the supermarket, you have to stand in a line one meter apart. um, And before, because they only let in a certain amount of people, and before you go and you put on gloves and they put hand sanitizer on your hands. So it's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how often are you going grocery shopping? How do you manage your shopping list when that's the situation? How are you thinking about it? Um, I personally left the house on Wednesday to go grocery shopping and every like couple of days, honestly. Um, But it is more of an ordeal. And I'm also super stressed about it because I have a rare lung disease. So I could be totally screwed, honestly. yeah. You, you know, Chelsea, like, I feel so comforted by your chipper. Who are, you know, wait, <laughs> where, where things are still scaling up, we haven't reached that scale. If, if we come to that, do you have yeah. one piece of advice about how we should manage ourselves? Um, you mean, like, individually or? Yeah, yeah. Like, what should I do? <laughs> Tell mm. me specifically. What should <laughs> how, you do? How would you advise if I... If well, I you like, what are you doing while you're home? <laughs> huh? What are you doing while you're home? Like, what, like so you, you said stock up on groceries, and then when you're home, um, what are you doing to well, fill your time, and how are you managing? Because I can easily work from home. I used to, I English, I taught English for like two years and then I recently just changed jobs a month ago and I'm doing like website development and that kind of stuff um, for a pharmacy here. So it's very easy to work from home. So I feel very Uh, lucky for that. Thank you for calling in and um, creating that visual for us about what it's like to go to the grocery store. Um, And yeah, stay safe, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Tara in Durham, North Carolina is on the line. Tara, hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. You're a healthcare worker? Yes. I work in public health. Yeah. And How are you feeling little, this week? a little stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, a lot of confusing information. Um, I mostly work with Medicaid patients, and so very vulnerable. We have, also haven't expanded Medicaid in North Carolina, so the sickest of the sick don't have access to care um, in most of the South. And there's just a lot, not a lot of information, and very confusing. We're getting a lot of messages all day at the hospital. Um, even personally, a lot of my friends and family um, are reaching out to me. My, you know, my baby boomer parents. My dad decided to get on a flight this week for no reason. Um, and it's just been incredibly, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He sent me a picture with him holding Lysol in the airport. I was like, I'm going to kill you. And, um, you know, that's the population that's really most at risk, immunocompromised, older folks. And so I think, I don't know what has to happen for people to realize this isn't a joke. We are not, our healthcare system, is, we aren't ready. I mean, I think we're 
look at what's happening in parts of Italy right now. We just listened to that caller. I mean, the grocery store, we can't imagine being so so many feet away from folks at the grocery store. So I think it's just mass communication. And the reality is the Trump administration cut so much that not only are we weren't ready before, there's not enough, you know, beds. And so it's incredibly stressful all day at the hospital. And we're trying to do the folks that can work from home try to, but, um, I just think we're so overwhelmed, and um, even my parents, I mean, I think, I don't know what's more stressed out, but my dad not even understanding what an incubation period is, or just basic healthcare stuff, Um, and my mom's like, you know, Barb emailing me or texting me a question about this. I'm like, no, there is the CDC, (laughs) kind of, (laughs) so... Sarah, I, I have a question about yourself. I, I, I know a lot of us are um, concerned about healthcare workers and people who work in public health, and just uh, how much you guys are going to have to go through, and how you're, and whether or not you're going to be overtaxed and burn out. So I, I'm, I'm curious about the conversation you're having with yourself, or that's having amongst your colleagues about sort of how healthcare workers and public health people are taking care of themselves and each other. Yeah, right now, I mean, I've been talking a lot of that with my coworkers. You know, we have two new employees starting next week on our team, and we can't move their start date because they need to get paid <laughs> as well. They left yeah. another job. And so we're doing virtual. And so it is everyone is incredibly stressed out. Um, and, you know, I planted a garden the other day. I've always had a garden. I think I'm – we just have to find ways to take care of each other. Um, I will say I do work with like an amazing group of individuals, but I do think the communication has been all over the place from the hospital system. Um, I had three people text me this morning, how do you get tested? And so it's like there's a website, but no one knows where the website is. But And, yeah. and for ourselves, like I, I don't feel great today, so I'm actually at home. My fever is 99. And I someone texted me that I made out with from – fucking tinder three weeks ago that went to paris and san francisco and i'm like are you kidding me (laughs) wait so you just you just had a tinder date three weeks ago and you like oh my gosh there's a lot happening there's a lot happening in your life right now i didn't know you were a global traveler like come on let a girl know i'm a public health person (laughs) i wouldn't have made out with you risk reduction Like, you know what? Tara, that might have been an attractive idea three weeks ago. That somebody's a jet setter. It is. See, another reason we need to fund public health. So, um, okay, Tara. I'm at home. Before I'm, you, before you get off the line, I want you to talk to people in the control room and tell us what are your favorite websites that, instead of like when we're having conversations with our loved ones and they're telling us what they're hearing from friends and like what are the, your favorite places as a public health worker where we should be looking for the most definitive information um, because Hon- uh, honestly, you, I you- think the best thing we could do is just take a collective deep breath. Um, New yeah. York Times has this great page right now, and it's all about being calm. Our immune systems are so tied to how much anxiety we have. The CDC really is the go-to place. It's boring. Their infographics are trash. But really, let's just take care of each other, check in on your elderly folks, your friends and family, and just, you know, let's remember this is a test of humanity. Like, how nice are we going to be to our neighbors? And so I feel like there is the public health language. The most important thing to do is really just let's stop hoarding masks and, like, you know, let's plant victory gardens and remember that we're, like, hopefully we're all kind to each other. I think this is really a pause to really test us. So I think we have the health information, you know, wash your hands and call out all the men. I think this is a lesson in patriarchy. We've all seen men go to the bathroom. They're going to be spreading Corona. (laughs) They need to be seeing Toto. Hi. 
manager I, people. I, I can testify <laughs> that while I am, I am a, as hard as anybody on men in the bathroom not washing their hands, it does, it does disgust me normally. We, I do see an enormous amount of hand washing the last couple of weeks, so I think we're heading in the right direction. Right. We are proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tara, thank you for being in touch. I want to talk to you again um, to hear how things are going yeah. where you're working. And thank, thank you for you know, you your service in the healthcare system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank take care. Thank you guys care. so much. Um, I want to make sure, uh, Jason from Charlottesville, that you see a comment that we just got on Twitter. Um, someone sent to us, they said, if you see this, Jason, I'd love to talk to you. My mom has early onset dementia, so we're walking a similar path. And now I support other people who care for their parents through my work. Send me a note here or at quiltcoaching.com anytime. We are taking your calls right now about uh, what you're noticing in your life. Um, in regards to COVID-19, in regards to social distancing, how your lives have changed in the last few days, the last week. The phone number to call is 844-745-8255. Again, 844-745-8255. Anya, are you there in Pittsburgh? Yes, I'm here. Hi, hi, Anya. What have you been thinking about this week? Um, well, I have family basically all over the world right now. Um, I live in Pittsburgh, my dad lives in D.C., my sister lives in Scotland, my mom lives in Germany. So it's a lot about, you know, when we all moved away, it was, we're only a flight away, we're all, you know, we can, we can always get on a plane, like, I am, my family has enough money that I could, like, do that when I need to, and that that isn't an option anymore has been insane, and sort of, like, what do we do and what does this mean for how we stay connected um, in all of this? So you're feeling like a shrinking of your ability to be close to your family this week. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of, I mean, I was supposed to go to D.C. And now, like, I have been told I really shouldn't. And that's crazy because that's four hours away. Um, yeah. And so just it, it seems very, very different than when I decided to move away from home and when we decided to sort of traverse across the planet, sort of what that meant for our family uh, and how different that is now. So Are you talking to them Do you have often? a plan then? I mean, if this, 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 this seems like this is Sorry? going to be going on for some time. You know, I mean, what, what are, because I'm thinking about that same thing. I just canceled a trip this weekend to go see a friend. Um, are you starting to make a plan for how you'll manage to stay connected to your family in this time period if you can't go see them? I'm, that I mean, I think uh, FaceTiming, we're not really a FaceTiming family, um, but I think kind of accepting that that is something that, like, we need to prioritize in a way of kind of like, oh, it's just like, I'll see you soon, and that's, like, enough. Um, it sort of needs to be reshaped and rethought about, um, and I don't think we really have the answer uh, yeah. yet, but obviously it's something we're thinking about now. It's funny, it's, it's just all might call on us to just really do more in our relationships, right? Like, we can't count on the ways we used to be connected. We're going to have to do more with each other, I guess. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that I uh -huh. uh, took for granted when um, I saw them at least, you know, two or three times a year. Um, and now yeah. I think saying it's things different. like I love you more often yeah. is just so important. Anya, thanks for giving us a call, and I hope you are able to find other ways to feel close to your family. That's something I've been thinking about a lot this week, too. Um, take care. 
Uh, I want to bring in Pasha in Michigan. Hi, Pasha. Hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to talk to you both. I love your respective shows and listen to them <laughs> every week. Oh, my gosh, Pasha. Thank you. Um, we thank love you for you, calling Pasha. in. Yes. <laughs> um, what have you been thinking about this week? What's happening in your life? So something that's really been difficult for me is having friends who are insisting on traveling anyway, um, even though, you know, this has been escalated to a pandemic and is a global issue. Um, I have some close friends that have made travel plans and have kept travel plans. And what's hard for me is I'm trying to understand from their perspective, but at the same time, um, I feel like they're not being considerate about um, elderly folks and people with compromised immune systems. And so uh, they keep saying, oh, I'll be fine. It's going to be okay. I'm young and healthy. Um, but, you know, what about the people who aren't young and healthy and they're just kind of blatantly, you know, traveling anyway? And that's really stressing me out. Yeah. You said you're trying to hear it from their perspectives. What, what is it you're hearing from them? Is it just like that well, they don't, they're like, oh, I'll, I'll be fine, or is it something deeper? Well, a lot of them are saying they'll be fine, but um, I, I guess I'm trying to consider, you know, maybe before, obviously, this happened, they scheduled these amazing vacations, you know, a year ago or so, and so they don't want to have to eat that cost, you know, because I don't know if they'll get a refund on it. And so I feel like I can be on my high horse and say, oh, well, you shouldn't travel, but I haven't had any travel plans, so it's not like I had to cancel anything. And so I'm trying to see it from their perspective, but at the same time, you know, I want to try to, to appeal to them and say, this really isn't safe, and just because you think you'll be okay doesn't mean that others will. Pasha, I want yeah, you I mean, to tell I... your friends that I have had some really lovely conversations with people from airlines over the last few days because I've had a spring <laughs> break trip for my family that unfortunately looks like we are going to have, we are going to cancel um, and we're not having change fees and we're getting a credit for the airline. I had a trip to New York for work planned and had another lovely conversation with an airline. So um, that's one thing to point out. Like, like there's a lot of, a lot of things are changing very quickly as far as, um, Tra travel plans and, and what happens if you change them. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to talk to them because I think one friend's trip is tomorrow um, and my other friend is going to be coming back um, this week. So that's definitely something to consider for sure. Thanks so much for calling, Pasha. And um, yeah, I want to know what you're well, I want to know what happens after they get back from your, their trips and, and what the conversations are like. So please, please stay in touch. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, thanks for it's calling. funny because my friend, sure, my friend who, if she gets sick, you know, I'm not going to want to hear about it because I told her not to go. Yeah. Or if somebody gets sick, that, yeah, that's the thing. We can't know. We can't know if exactly. we're um, exactly. asymptomatic. So that's, uh, that's something to think about as we're all making decisions about where we move around. Thanks for calling, Pasha. Um, I want to bring Dale in Washington, D.C. into this conversation. Hi, Dale. Hi. How are you? I'm Dale Brown. Um, I'm calling because my concern in, in here in D.C. is there's a lot of people who live by themselves. Actually, I think we're the second um, largest number of people who, live, who have homes by themselves instead of, you know, in couples and in groups. 
And what's happening is most of the social activities and most of the big activities, but even the smaller groups like the uh, religious worship services, are being canceled. So, although I guess, I, I, I mean, when I went out, I went to the store, we're not like trapped. I mean, there do seem to be people around. You're not really trapped. I'm concerned about the number of people who, you know, ha- don't have a lot of friends, who kind of depend on, you know, getting together with people in terms of what's going to happen to them. And I'm playing around with ideas, trying to figure out if it's maybe a good idea to do some kind of phone conference call, mm-hmm. um, something that will that'll work, you know? Yeah, and Dale, do you are you do you work from home or what's your what are the other ways yeah, in well, which I'm, like when do you leave the house? Yeah, I'm uh, yeah I'm retired and um, I do a lot of work from home. Right now I'm uh, facilitating this group of people who are working on social isolation. Interestingly enough, trying to look at mm. you know what's going on with the loneliness epidemic, trying to get some data about what's going on in D.C. And this COVID-19 epidemic has been a real shock because everybody's expected to sit by themselves at home. And I know for me, I'm pretty lucky. I mean, I have um, a family, uh, people who we talk on the phone, people who I feel connected to. But the challenge is is that many people um, who are older don't. Some of them have outlived their spouse and don't have children, and there's a lot of isolated people who are now even more isolated. And so that's that's one of my concerns. And, and then another problem is the people in nursing homes. My um, dad is in a nursing home, and they've they basically kind of locked down the place. They've said, don't visit. And that means that all of the residents don't get visits from their relatives. And I think that must be quite frightening for, for all of them. I can imagine. And, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I'm I thinking as you talk a lot about my own mom, and she lives by herself, and she's in her 70s, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, and, and I'm really encouraging her to stay at home, and I feel bad about that because I don't know what that's going to mean for her, how long she can just sit by herself. And I, so I, I guess I'm, I, I would love for you, and, and, I, and this is a question for all of our callers, if anybody has research, has ideas or resources on what to do about this question that you're bringing up, Dale, like what people who are isolated, how we can keep them from being isolated if this goes a long time, let's, let's, let's really hear from them. Uh, so first off, Dale, do you have any thoughts before I, th- before I throw that to everybody else? Yeah, I, I do have one, which is what we're doing with my dad, is we're just calling him as much as possible. So one suggestion for you and your mom is to make sure, you know, you stay on the phone a little longer with her than, than you normally mm. would. You know, maybe, you mm. know, just spend time talking to her. I think that simple phone conversations, which I think in, I, I mean, a lot of us have stopped talking on the phone and are texting and <laughs> doing other things. But I think we're going to have to bring phone conversations back because they're a little bit more uh, connecting, I think, than than email and texting. And then the other thing I'm trying to figure out is whether there's some some kind of game that we can play on the phone, um, whether there's some kind of conference call, Zoom, um, uh, Skype, uh, you know, some of these video FaceTime things I think might be helpful. Yeah. But we definitely have to think about this and do something because there are too many people who are completely alone and expected apparently to, I don't know, just sit by themselves for, for weeks. Well, thank you for that, Dale. Thank you for that advice and for that call. And um, stay in touch about it, about staying in touch. <laughs> 
and yeah, everybody and else. I've got to tell you, I love both of your shows, just so you know. that I think they, it provides a major connecting influence. So thank you for having my call. I appreciate it. Oh, oh thank you. And I love that connecting that influence. That's something to be proud of. Thank you, Dale. It really is. So we're taking your calls about how your life is changing, how you're adapting to this moment of the coronavirus, us having to be shut in from, cut off from folks. I'm particularly curious if anybody else has thoughts about how we can stay connected in this moment for people who are isolated. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. The phone number is 844-745-8255. I'm sorry, I gave the wrong number. 844-745-8255. That's 844-745-8255. Or you can tweet us with at Death, Sex, and Money, or use the hashtag US of Anxiety 2020. And I think now we want to talk to Shara. Shara, are you there? I'm here. You're in Bellevue, Hi, Wa- Bellevue Washington, right? I am. What's happening have, in Bellevue, have, Washington? Um. Uh, a whole lot of panic, I think, and a lot of people trying to figure out what is the measured response to have right now. Um, I feel like things here are very manic, and the rumors are churning, and people are very worried about what these next six weeks look like for all of us. I understand um, you have kids. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I have 10-year-old twins, and as of yesterday, they are out of school for the next six weeks. Okay, tell me what that means in your household. What does that mean for your life? Well, I am really fortunate that I am able to be a full-time stay-at-home parent. Um, Our teachers originally anticipated for us to be closed for two weeks and our students were sent home with homework for two weeks but clearly our district is trying to figure out what to do for extending online and at-home resources for everyone in our school but we have a large population of families in transitional housing or students who are facing homelessness who don't have access to a computer, to access um, online curriculum. And so as of this morning, our school district is surveying parents online where they can to figure out how best to serve them. And I'm thinking about my family, but we're fortunate. We have a home, we have each other. I don't have a work commitment, but I am really scared for our families who don't have these benefits. You know, Shara, I have been thinking about this as well. I I live in Berkeley where the public schools um, just closed for three weeks um, starting Monday. Uh, My daughter's preschool is still open, but it's looking like it will close. And, And I've been thinking, Oh, if I'm working from home and if my daughter is home, like, you know, if I'm home, like, do I extend for people who aren't able to work at home, like to have their kids come over? And then I you get into this like thing about about helping each other with alongside social distancing. So I wonder if you've thought about that when it comes to like your 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 kids classmates. Like, how do you think about that? One hundred percent. I mean, we're surrounded by um 
households that have two working parents. Um, a lot of our parents are also in industries where they can work from home, but then at our school, we have a unique situation where some of our parents are also teachers or employees of our school district. And we learned yesterday that um, because of how the contracts work for some of our part-time staff, the teachers, um, well, here they're called like support staff instead of uh, teacher's assistant, those people may not have paid leave for the next six weeks. And so they have to figure out what to do. And if they have to seek employment elsewhere, there's a good chance that when school resumes, they are not going to be available to come back to school if they have the option to work at our school. Um, and we have a parent in our school who just recently finished treatment for breast cancer. And I think about her. I think about students that we have at our school who rely on two meals a day from our school to eat. Yeah. Um, so many layers. Shara, will you keep in touch over the next six weeks? I also want to see some photos of your t what your 10-year-old twins are doing at home, like, like what happens to your house <laughs> when they're home for six weeks, okay? <laughs> We're 24 hours in and it's already dire straits. They're separated right now. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for calling and uh, know that there are many parents maybe not with you right now in this, but um, across America who are thinking about this reality hitting their, their uh, local school district. So thanks for calling in. Um, I want to bring Zoe in Toronto into the conversation. Hi, Zoe. Are you there? Hi. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Zoe. What have you been thinking hey. about this week? Um, this week has been very interesting. Things have been changing very fast in Toronto, and interestingly that my parents are still living in China. Uh, fortunately, they don't live in a very severely impacted region, but still I felt like this week I have already experienced it before with them because when I first started in China, the whole public system, uh, public transportation uh, shut down, everything just shut down. My parents couldn't leave the house. Everything was, you know, in quarantine, and I experienced it with them while, you know, trying to be supportive, trying to figure out how can I support them while being, you know, across the ocean. And now it's the reverse because things are getting slightly better in my hometown, but then they are concerned about me, about yeah. whether, you know, I will have access to the things I need. So it's kind of an interesting experience for me because I felt like I am experiencing this pandemic twice. Oh, goodness. I also wonder, Zoe, while you're managing all of that, I have to ask that there's a lot of anxiety about how people will think about this epidemic and 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 how they will think about it in relationship to race and nationality. Uh, and if your yep. family is from China, have you had any concern or any interaction with folks who uh, who just? Uh, who, who are applying xenophobia to you or anybody in your family yeah. because of this? Yeah, I think um, one uh, one Canada has a first case. I was definitely worried. Like, uh, Canada is oh. definitely a very diverse country. I do feel very safe here. But, like, at the back of my head, I was like, I probably should think about 
what should I say when people confront me because I, I'm an Asian-looking person, because I'm a Chinese-looking person, maybe I should say something. Like, it happens, like, I was like, what if it happens on the train? What if it happens in the food court? Should, what should I say? So it's kind of weird. I, and I did have a couple um, interactions where people cover their mouth when they walk past by me. And, they, you know, wow. like, they just walk past by you. I can't. I can't do any reactions. Like I hope you are safe, feeling that way. I mean, certainly shouldn't touch your face, uh, but like, I couldn't say. Anything, <laughs> You're like this right? is defeating the purpose, and it's rude. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I like both. Like my friend and I, we were like rehearsing. Like there is more aggressive way for us to, you know, give a response. There is a more educated way. Like what kind of approach should we take? Gladly, it hasn't happened, but at work there were a couple, like, jokes made around this, you know, like, I'm being Chinese and I'm probably going to bring something, but, like, and that's even more awkward because I know they were kind of joking and we work on a daily basis. So I was like, should I say something? Should I ignore it? Should I just laugh it off? Um, Gladly, it only happened once or twice, and now people really are understanding this is more than you know, just me being Chinese. This is us being human together. Yeah. Yeah. Zoe, thanks for calling in from Toronto. It's nice to nice to hear from you. Um, yeah. And I'm glad. I'm glad so far. It sounds like your family is is well in China. Um, we mm-hmm. are taking Thank your you. calls right now. Eight four four seven four five eight two five five eight four four seven four five. 8255. Um, we got this note from fa- on Facebook from a listener named Michelle. She says, Marco Polo is an amazing app for asynchronous video messaging that has been really improving the quality of my interactions online. So um, just picking up on our conversation with Dale about how to have uh, quality conversations with people when you can't share physical space. Um, check that out uh, if that's something you're looking for. I want to bring in Anna, Amanda. I'm not in sure Portland. I know what asynchronous video messaging is. <laughs> I, well, I feel like I started reading that and I was like, hmm, I think it means maybe not in real time, like maybe not FaceTime, like asynchronous, oh. like not synchronous. Like maybe you're sending right. like a text message, but it's video. Great. Check. Maybe the control room can help us out <laughs> on that. <laughs> Thank so you for asking, For those of us who are Kai. not quite as, as digitally savvy yet uh, and who want to use this resource. <laughs> The, the control room says, we will research. Um, and while they do that, I want to bring in Amanda in Portland, Oregon, and on, onto the show. Hi, Amanda, are you there? Hi, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Tell me about what you've been thinking about this week. Um, yeah, so I work for an international humanitarian organization. It's a nonprofit organization based in the U.S., um, but I work on specifically an emergency response team, and so we get kind of deploy it all over the world to help on various disasters that occur. And so um, for our organization, you know, it's we've basically they've stopped all non-essential travel. Um, but for my actual department, which is a humanitarian response department, we're continuing to travel. And actually there's, you know, while there's ongoing needs, like there's flooding that's happening in Mali, there's also like major drought that's happening in South Africa. So there's all these other things that we're, um, that we're handling. But then on top of that, we have the COVID-19 um, response. And so we've been kind of increasing a lot of our health programming in various countries where we work to help communities get prepared 
So it's been kind of like this split brain situation where, you know, we're thinking about here in Portland, Oregon, things are starting to shut down um, and um, we're limited in terms of where we can go. But at the same time, my team's like still kind of traveling all over and trying to help communities that don't even have access to soap. Um, they don't really know about proper um, hand washing routines. And so, um, yeah, so it's been kind of, it's, it's been a lot in the mind of the organization as well in terms of identifying um, the safety of us and our families, but then also how can we continue to serve the communities that are also in great need. Yeah. Can do you want to say I the mean, name of your organization? like a core question for so many of us. You know, you're doing it professionally, yeah. but it's just, it keeps returning, uh, coming up in this conversation. It keeps coming up in my life. The difference between sort of the, the value of keeping myself away from others and the value of trying to be out there helping others. And so how, what, are some, what are some tips that you're coming up with about how to make those choices? Yeah, I think um, for us it's kind of what's mission critical as well because the one thing, too, that we have to think about is for ourselves, if we've been in areas where we could have potentially been infected, um, then we're potentially bringing that into the community. And so we have to think about what are some other ways that we can continue to support remotely, whether it's doing, um, like, Skype messaging or um you know, other like online platforms where we can speak with the communities that um, we're serving or even staff that we already have that are on the ground and try, trying to support them at least with the proper messaging um, and then sending in materials and having them do distributions. Um, and so I think um, a lot of it, too, is thinking about our own situations. So I know for myself I have a 15-month-old. And um, and then I also have uh, parents that are in their mid-70s that have underlying um, medical conditions. And so we've really had to think about, you know, travel for us. Is it worth putting ourselves at risk of potentially contracting it and then bringing it back to our daughter and to our parents? Um, and so those are questions that we're constantly discussing with, with um, the organization I work for. And they're also thinking through, like, what is... Um, what's mission critical and what's not, and um, what are the needs of the communities we're serving, and can we serve them in other um, ways that don't involve us physically being on the ground but still getting them the help that they need. Wow. Uh, Amanda, do you want to just say the name of the organization you work for? Um, I work for Catholic Relief Services. Okay. Um, So thanks for doing that important work. I think it's also a reminder that... um, major crises the world over that aren't COVID-19 related are, are still happening um, and, and yeah. warranting attention um, from humanitarian organizations. Thank you for your work and um, best of luck for you and your family in these next few weeks. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to bring Sophia in Cambridge, Mass into the conversation. Hi, Sophia. Hi. Hi. So you're in Cambridge. Um, what's been happening in your life this week? Uh, well, a lot of things, of course, as has been the case with many. Um, I am a grad student, and as probably many people have realized, a lot of the universities and colleges are sort of shutting down or going remote. And so that's been the case for me as well. Over the past week, we've learned that first the undergraduates are being asked, asked to not return after spring break. They're basically moving out for the semester. Um, and then for us graduate students, we're being asked to not come into lab. So I'm in a biology program. Um, mm. So we're basically being asked to halt our in-person research, um, which is, you know, obviously a little bit extreme um, for some of us for the next six to eight weeks at least. Um, and, you know, of course, I think it seems like these are probably the right decisions, but it is a bit hard to reconcile that. Um, 
and then on the other hand, this uh, coming week would have been our spring break, and I was planning to go home and visit family. But of course, since Boston is becoming what seems like a bit of a hot spot potentially for COVID, um, I don't really want to be the person that brings this disease potentially to my family. And um, by this, you know, bizarre circumstance, I had a family member recently pass away earlier this week unexpectedly. So it's been a bit Sorry. of a conflict of, you know, I want to be there with them and be there for my family, but at the same time, I can't be the person who puts their health at risk. So. So a lot of different factors happening sort of all at once, of course. Yeah. So what have you, you canceled your travel plans. What, what have you done instead of travel? How have you been in touch with your family? I've only been talking to them on the phone essentially for every day this week, giving them updates. Um, I still haven't 100% canceled all potential travel in the future. Um, I think I'm lucky in that I do have a car. So if it comes down to it, I could potentially drive to Colorado, and hopefully that would not be as risky as flying and everything. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to make any decisions until things cool down at least a little bit. Yeah, weighing well, so a, a drive think? to Colorado. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay, weighing a drive to Colorado. Like, I, I, I have been having some of those thoughts, too, about, like, where would I drive if I needed to drive? Mm-hmm. Um, right, uh, yeah. And... Go ahead, Kai. Well, I, I was just going to say, Sophia, thanks for thanks for calling us and thanks for sharing that struggle. And I and I hope that um, you know I, I hope that you're able to find a balance. I, I, I too am worried about it. where I'm going to drive this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good luck to you as well and to everyone listening. <laughs> We're still taking your calls live about the COVID nineteen outbreak and how we are all coping with it, how we're feeling about it, how it's changing our lives, what we're doing differently. Give us a call. We're at 844-745-8255. Again, that's 844-745-8255 or on Twitter at DeathSexMoney or with the hashtag US of Anxiety 2020. Now I want to bring turn to Maddie in New Orleans. Maddie, are you there? I am. Hi. 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 What's, what, what's going on for you this week? Well, um, next week I was supposed to marry my partner of nine years, and just this morning we decided to postpone the wedding. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. What did it so feel what? like to to make that decision? Honestly, it's it's been a real relief at this point because we've just had so many people call, text, and email us in the last few days saying that they've decided to not come, and, and each each cancellation was a real blow. And so now to just be like, hey, you don't have to make this decision anymore. Like, we've, we've made it um, feels uh, crazy but better. Mm-hmm. What, what, are the, yeah. what are the ramifications for you guys? Um, I'm not totally sure yet. The hope is that um, our vendors are willing to keep our deposits and we can do this again sometime in the future. Uh, but I also know that, like, our caterer had done a lot to prepare, and uh, that's a huge financial loss for them. So I'm, I'm not totally sure how it's going to play out. This is still only a couple hours old. And how long had you guys been sort of building up to this moment emotionally? It feels like just just that work being being undone. Yeah, I would say, I mean, 
again, we, we just celebrated our ninth anniversary on Wednesday, um, and we've been planning to get married for probably eight of those years. So we had we had picked a date and and told everyone like 15 months ago. Um, and you know it's always it's never been about um, the the marriage for the two of us because we feel like we've been married this whole time. It's it's always been about just wanting to get everyone we love in the same room at the same time. Um, and and now that that stopped being possible. Um, so it's a it's a big disappointment for sure. Maddie, I have a question for you. And that is like, do you feel at all an urgency to just get married in a very small ceremony or a courthouse Mm. to have that done and then have a party later? Or, or do you feel like, you know, I want to do this with all of my people. They are witnessing it as it's happening. How are you thinking about that? Yeah, it still feels like the latter for me. I I don't really feel the urgency. Actually, we were just grocery shopping um, because we don't have any food in the house because we thought we were going to be doing other things. Um, And and we were just talking about how we've been thinking about this event for so long that to no longer have it uh, kind of just feels like we're turning back to the status quo and just our (laughs) our normal life, which is um, which is just you know how we live. So it's, I think, honestly, I think we're still in shock. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, Maddie, I think you're the only person on planet Earth who feels a return to normalcy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yeah. Well, best Excellent of luck point. to you and your partner. And um, I, I hope, let us know about when you're able to set that date for when you will have this postponed celebration. Um, and we wish you the best. Thanks for calling in in the midst Thanks, of all Anna. of this. Yeah. Um, we're going to bring in Nancy in Albany, New York. Are you there, Nancy? Yeah, I am. Hi, how are you? Hi, Nancy. How's your week been? What are you thinking about? <laughs> well, um, I pulled my kid from school today, my seven-year-old, my first grader, and um, we love his school. He goes to Albany City Schools. We're such a fan, and the response from the district about all of this has been so underwhelming. And I understand it's so complicated um, with funding, with just today the governor gave a statement that schools won't be penalized if kids are not in school 180 days this year. But so far there's been radio silence and my district has been like, we're encouraging hand washing. Like that's, they have such a big push towards attendance because attendance is an issue but they're not even stressing if staff members are sick, they should stay home. If kids are sick or their family members are sick, they should stay home. We've just heard nothing. So I have kind of like agonized over it all week. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked to his teacher, you know, and I said it, it might be his last day on Friday. Can you send him home with some stuff? But it's it's just hard to know, was it the right decision? Like you don't want to be overreactive, but you also don't want to wait until there's like, an epidemic <laughs> roaring through your kid's school. Um, and you think of all the people connected to, you know, our life who are immunocompromised or who are prone to pneumonia. And it's just like, it's kids aren't, I'm not so much worried about my kids. I'm more worried about being spreaders in our community. Nancy, as you know, I mean, this is such a big conversation in New York right now about whether the schools are going to close both here in the city and here in New York City and then throughout the state. And I just, I've heard from so many parents wrestling with what you're wrestling with. And I I wonder what was 
the thing that pushed you over the edge that made you say, you know what, that's it. I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping them home. Um, it, it was a conversation with a couple of friends who are in education who, um, you know, they asked me, like, about how he, he does in general. And he, he's doing great in school. Um, am I a big fan of like homeschooling, I'll be honest, I was homeschooled. No, I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm, I'm going to try my best to keep up with him and, um, you know, to have us have a disciplined routine. I'm really privileged in that, like, in this season, I'm home anyway. Um, so it, it wasn't as agonizing as what other parents are facing with, you know, two working parents and what are they supposed to do with their kids with no childcare plan. Um, so... You know, my husband's job has not gone remote at this point, um, so he has to be out there, and um, I'm already here, so it was just kind of like, I'm just going to pull the trigger. I've been watching what's happening, you know, across the world. I think it's more important to listen to the World Health Organization and have perspective from various sources than listen to only politicians. So, like, I just am in reality that it could be nothing. It could be a big something. So that's kind of what pushed me over the edge. Thanks for your call, Nancy, and keep in touch. Let us know how it goes having your child home home with you. Yeah, take care. Um, There's a lot for us to talk about, and we're not going to get to all of it during this call, and this is just the first uh, hour plus of what I imagine will be many hours of us talking about this all together and in our personal lives and with our partners and with our families. Um, So know this is just the the beginning, and we'll we'll be having this conversation with you for a long time. Um, But before we go, I want to bring in uh, a Death, Sex, and Money listener who's also a friend of mine, Um, because when (laughs) I thought about what life was going to look like if I were was more sort of confined to home. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a domestic person, so I didn't know how to make that comfortable. So I wanted to bring in um, Samin Nosrat, who is really comfortable at making <laughs> wonderful things happen in her home. She, of course, is a chef, a writer, uh, host of the Netflix show, and author of the best-selling book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, who lives here in the, in the Bay Area in Oakland. Hi, Samin. Hi, Anna. Hi, Kai. Hi. Hi. Tell us, like, what are you thinking about this week, and how are you thinking about your relationship to being at home? Well, I feel, to me, this is my ideal. I feel (laughs) I'm like, I've been practicing self-quarantine for months. (laughs) But I I have a pretty, pretty privileged situation, so, and also, I don't have anyone else to care for. So it's pretty much like I have the best possible. Everyone keeps checking in with me to find out how I'm doing, and I'm like, oh, no, this is really ideal for me. (laughs) I spent the morning building a trellis in my garden for beans, and I was like, oh, I'm going one step ahead of everyone who's hoarding beans, and I'm just going to grow my own. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. (laughs) But for me, the challenge actually has been a little bit opposite of everyone else. I have to, you know, it's an because I've been sort of cocooning myself from the outside world where I've had such a public few years and I'm trying to take care of myself. And so in some ways I'm under-informed, which is not the worst thing, but um, yeah. I definitely had a wake-up call last week where I said to somebody, I was like, I don't understand this mass hysteria. Why is everyone being so crazy? 
And she really made it clear for me, you know, it's not about you taking care of yourself. It's about, you know, it's about herd immunity and us taking care of each other. And that really was a shift in my thinking about, you know, the kinds of ways that I, I want to spend my time and, and how to make sure that people in my own community are not really left by the wayside. Yeah. Have you done anything differently after that conversation? Um, you know, I've, I, well, I, I've reduced, I wasn't going out a lot, but I've definitely reduced. I'm just much more careful about going out. I'm much more careful about washing my hands and touching people. I'm a lot less judgmental <laughs> of everyone else. <laughs> Which matters. I feel the judgment, like yeah. who's judging whom. I'm really feeling that right yeah. now in the Bay Area, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like I was paying attention to the, um, the princess cruises that were being docked here. And so I, I found, I heard that Jose Andres, his um, organization, the World Central Kitchen was here cooking. So I reached out to them to see if I could come cook or if they needed other cooks. And it turned out they were actually fine. But um, it got me thinking about like, how do I use my resources and my skills to help the people in my community? And just yesterday I found out about that. Um, I, I think one of your callers earlier was sort of talking about um, religious pantries, you know, church pantries and stuff, um, a lot of them are really under pressure and they're closing, which is then putting more pressure on county food banks. So I'm in touch with our county food bank to see, you know, it's not only about herd immunity, it's also about, like, when you're buying 500 pounds of beans, maybe share some with your food bank or with the people in your neighborhood who might not have a pantry or a place to place to store food. So I think one thing that I have is a platform, so I'm trying to sort of wrap my mind around how do I use that to, um, like, let's say, reduce um, sort of selfish fear and encourage generosity and community-mindedness. I, I really appreciate that spirit. I'm trying to do the same, though I have to now be selfish and ask you to use your your resources for me because <laughs> I, my my partner is like you, quite a homebody, uh, and uh, and I feel like he's very excited about this moment, and I feel like we're going to get into a place where we are competing on cooking and who oh, yeah, yeah. is doing the best job of feeding each other. <laughs> And I think I'm, gonna I'm coming to your house, Kai. <laughs> well, but I don't think I'm going to compete well, and I'm frustrated about that. And so I, I currently literally have a thing of lentils sitting on the counter that I'm going to go cook uh-huh. after this. And, I, and I'm and i looking at that, and I'm like, he's going to be underwhelmed with whatever I'm doing here. Um, okay, what so color lentils? What how color do I lentils step up my lentil game? Are they brown, black, orange? Green. Green lentils. Green. Okay. See, the, for me, the key with the well, lentils are also, for everyone listening, lentils are your go-to legume because they okay. cook most quickly. They're like the best starter legume. So now we're going to sh- start a run on lentils if there hasn't been one. But, um, <laughs> Do not, nobody hoard lentils. This is nobody not buy anyone, Everyone buy lentils. Okay, I don't know if you're vegetarian, but if you're not, a little bit of like a piece of ham hock or bacon, little chopped up bacon, or pancetta in your lentils is a great way to add some flavor. Um, But in general, with all these beans and legumes that everyone's buying, I would say my, like, the answer is you have to figure out spice combinations to make things different because otherwise everyone's going to be so bored of beans and rice and pasta. You have to, like, really get, and for anyone who has the resources to, like, build themselves a little windowsill herb garden, now is the time to do that. Because um, 
we're, if, we're, if we really are going to be living off of pantry goods, you know, that little bit of freshness that's going to come from a little piece of parsley or dill or basil is going to make a big difference. So what I would do with a bowl of lentils is just, like, shower it with fresh herbs and drizzle it with good olive oil. Um, another thing you can do if you is you could kind of make, like, a shakshuka type of thing with it where you um, cook your lentils, and once they're all cooked, you, p- you put them in sort of into a shallow baking dish and then crack eggs and bake it until the eggs are set. So that's a good one. All right. All right. I feel, I feel like, Samin, I feel really empowered. I am not a cook, and I'm feeling more empowered. I'm like, maybe I'm going to make a little herb garden this weekend. I love that I, idea. I do. I've been thinking about that all week. I'm like, you know. I'm so lucky. We're so lucky to live in California. The weather really supports us being in the garden right now. You are. You are. But I think even even if you don't, I think most people probably have a sunny window. And if your excuse was always that you didn't have the time to tend to your garden, <laughs> now we're all rich in time. You know, we're rich in time. And how do we use that time? And certainly cooking beans takes a lot of time. <laughs> um, and a lot of the kind of inexpensive like long lasting cooking that's going to sustain us, you know, the, what costs less in money usually costs more in time in the kitchen. And so that's right. what we have now. And so it's this kind of wonderful way where if you, if you try something that you never thought you could do before or, or that you never thought you had the time to do before, you know, now is the time for those multi-day like rising bread doughs or whatever. I mean, not that I'm going to do that, but <laughs> But uh, if you always wanted to do it and never could have time, you know, now here you go. Here's this beautiful gift of time for us. So, I mean, thanks for calling in. It's really nice to have oh. these tips. It just makes us, like, just to feel a little bit more like you can be in control of your environment at home. I think, uh, yeah, it's very absolutely. Comforting and to I me. think, oh, thanks for having me. I love you guys. And I just want to say, too, like, to everyone out there, Try to remember, you know, think about the people in your own communities who are really probably at risk and maybe feeling really alone. And there are a lot of ways that we can support people without seeing them, you know, in in terms of food. You can drop off some of your lentil soup on the stoop, you know, and just sort of check in with people that way. But but I think, you know, the way we're going to get through this and not lose our minds is together, alone together. So take care. Thank you, Samin. Thank you so much for calling. Samin is the author of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Check out her book, her Netflix show. If you haven't already, she can be your companion while you're at home. Um, Kai, that made me feel better. Did it make you feel better? Well, first off, I feel armed. So I'm I'm going to go out and get get this little going right after. You're going to win the cooking battle. I sure am. I'm not going to be put to shame here in my own house. But I, I really... <laughs> that notion alone together she just left us with, Beth, I'm feeling so much of that, um, and I'm feeling so much of that after this conversation, just just, just hearing from all these folks and, and thinking about how I've been talking to, to my community and friends, this idea of being alone together. Um, that's a really powerful notion that I think I'm going to try to lean into. Yeah, as you are talking alone in your apartment in Brooklyn on a cell phone. And somehow we're doing this call-in with people all over the country and parts of the world. It's pretty amazing. 
Um, so that's where we're going to end this conversation for now. We've been talking for a little over an hour. Thanks for getting together with us. We will do something like it again. And thanks to the team of people who figured out how to pull this off um, on very short notice and when many people were working from home. I want to thank producers Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Afi Yellow Duke from Death, Sex, and Money, Virilyn Williams from the United States of Anxiety, our engineers, Jason Isaac in New York, Wende Hinojosa here in the Bay Area with me, our call screeners, Emily Mann and Jordan Lauf. Thanks also to Kim Nowacki, Sahar Baharlu, and David McLean. None of us are quite sure what the next few weeks will bring, um, but I hope that this conversation, this call-in reminded you that this is something we are all going to be going through together. We at Death, Sex, and Money are going to make sure starting next week we're doing a little thing, some, one thing to start that's going to be a little different. We are going to be putting out our newsletter more than once a week just to be in touch a little more often while we are more physically separated. If you're not subscribed to that, you can go to deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter. And Kai, how about you? What's happening at United States of Anxiety? For us, United States, United States of Anxiety folks, just know that we are thinking a lot about what we can learn from the history of previous public health crises. And generally, we're just trying to figure out how we can make the show most useful in this moment. So. That's our conversation, and we will talk to you guys all more about that soon. The United States of Anxiety, you can get it at wnyc.org slash anxiety or wherever you get your podcast. I host Death, Sex, and Money, of course. You can find that at deathsexmoney.org or wherever you find your podcast. Kai, thank you so much for doing this with me and for staying thank home. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad on both counts. <laughs> we will be in touch. Take care, everybody. 